taking command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. Staten Island, midday, General Howe rides up to his mansion to see Elizabeth with his officers. He wears the smile of a man who shortly will be enjoying his love as he jumps from his horse, followed by his soldier detail of a hundred men and a carriage with two tethered horses behind. How hears gunshot from within the manor. He turns and runs up the stairs. Patterson falls swiftly, waving for others to follow. Percy and 25 men draw their guns and dart up the stairs three at a time and charge through the door. As they rush through the manor, they hear laughter, followed by more gunshot. Percy looks at Patterson with concern. Approaching the back of the mansion, those in front come to a full stop behind the general, who looks through a large window above the garden. General Howe cannot believe what he sees. Officer Christ is teaching his girl to shoot. Christ's body is positioned around Elizabeth, helping her to aim. Howe came in ready to defend Elizabeth, and now he wears a look of surprise and thank God, and then mounting anger. His men are looking at him and wondering if Christ has lost his mind with his arm around the general's E. They know there will be hell to pay. Patterson, Percy, take the men outside. I will handle this. Howe leaves. Yes, sir. Patterson and Percy look at each other, and some of the men turn slowly to take in this very rare occurrence, including Percy. Patterson goes up to him and whispers, Percy, come on, let's go. I'll leave. Howe is livid as he advances, and then he runs into Ella, who has come in from the garden to get something. Quite shocked and pleased she is to see him, and then terrified by the look on his face. She does not know what to do. She stands aside as General Howe brushes by her and exits through the back door to the garden, where Elizabeth and Katie are still practicing shooting. He is suddenly amused by what he sees, as Elizabeth has not mastered the recoil. He is now a mix of emotion, Elizabeth feels his presence and turns. She gives Chris back his gun and is radiant with love as she runs up to Howe and jumps into his arms. Camera cut to Katie and Chris, who are not expecting to see the general. Howe is glaring at Chris over Elizabeth's shoulder, and Elizabeth knows his hug is different. As she withdraws, she sees a look in his eyes she has never seen before and retreats further. Chris stands there receiving Hal's full venom. Katie waits with her mouth open. Lieutenant Chris, you're relieved. Report to General Percy outside. Yes, sir, General. Chris leaves without a look to anyone. Ladies, might I have a word with Elizabeth alone? 
Katie looks at Ella, who has come down the back stairs. Ella shakes her head no, Katie dares. General, the officer is here on my invitation first. I told him we would not get into trouble. Elizabeth says we were on a walk, and there was target practice happening by the camp, and we... I thought, why not? You never know when knowing how to shoot will come in handy during a war. Katie says, General, please. Do not be. Um, Lieutenant Chris and I are engaged. Katie steps forward a little and shows the general her wedding band. How can only manage a nod and the smallest show of relief that he is careful to hide. Ella and Katie know their time is up and retreat. Katie hands the general's gun to E as she passes her. How stands there at a distance from Elizabeth, who does not know what to do with the general's revolver dangling at her side. He looks at her not knowing what to say. Then How begins to smile against his will, for E looks so miserable, knowing not what to do with his gun or with him. He walks up to her without anger, takes his gun and sets it aside, then enfolds her in his arms as she softens into him. My little E, my dearest Elizabeth, how can I ever be without you? My men and I had only just arrived from battle, and then I heard gunfire inside our home. I thought you might be... We all ran in and found target practice. I was so relieved, and then there is Chris with his arms around you, who should know better, and luckily for him, engaged. Otherwise, I might have lost my mind and not even bothered with a duel. Silence fills them with passion for each other. Then together they begin to laugh. All is forgiven. (laughs) Should Katie and Ella still stay here as our guests, William? Of course, let's get away. Yes, anywhere. How has only one more thing to relieve his mind of. Did you get my letters, Elizabeth? Yes, you, you know I did, William. And I yours, Howe says, but not so many. She looks at him in truth, and as he feels her mirroring perfection, he softens into love. Elizabeth says, I didn't want to bother you. That is why I did not send more letters. You're the general, and all I want to do is send you poetry about how much I love you. Maybe it will distract you, and then maybe become tiresome. Never think that, E. I always want to hear from you, especially your verse. I reread them, you know. Oh, William, I can only love you. She melts in his arms. When I saw Chris there with you, I wanted to. What loving you does to me. But he is Katie's William. They met the same night we did, and now they are engaged. He is wistful for something more. What she thinks strikes him like a dart, for he cannot offer more. I am so sorry, Elizabeth. I want to ask for your hand, but I cannot. The only one I have ever loved. Is it enough, E, if we are always together like this for eternity? E wears a brilliant smile with tears. Yes. 
for we are of God. Come with me now, Hal says. They walk inside hand in hand, and Ella and Katie are happy for Elizabeth. They saw and felt them make amends. As Elizabeth gets her coat, hat, and gloves, Katie looks at her with, Can you help Chris? He nods yes. Katie breathes a sigh of relief. Ladies, would you mind entertaining Lord Percy and General Patterson with tea? Yes. Are they still here? Katie asks. Yes, Ella says. I'll get the tea things. Katie says, General, please don't punish John. This was my doing. I thought it would be perfectly all right since he is my fiancé. Elizabeth will never admit to it, but I am to blame if there is any perceived indiscretion. No need to worry, Katie, and Elizabeth is correct. Learning to shoot is a good idea in these times, just not here. How chaperones Elizabeth out, and we see him speak to his men. Patterson and Percy seem to be most agreeable. Yes, tea, Patterson says. What was Chris doing there? Teaching them to shoot, Howe says. They look at Howe with, you are fine with that? <laughs> Half the detail is with me, Howe says. Where is Chris? Send him back to camp, Percy says. Confine him to quarters. I will deal with him later. Patterson and Percy still find Chris's indiscretion offensive, and they wonder what Howe knows. During tea, Patterson and Percy, be careful. Lieutenant Christ is affianced to Katie. Well, that changes his offense somewhat, Patterson adds. Somewhat, Percy says. Howe helps Elizabeth into the carriage with the two horses attached and speaks to the officer of the detail. Follow at a distance. Give the carriage room, the officer says. Driver, to the country, the Dixon Manor, take the smooth road. Yes, sir, General. Momentary camera cutback as the covered carriage rolls along a beautiful country road. I cannot bear to be without you, E. E is in his arms now, and the camera pulls back to take in the country view. Did you miss me? Did I miss you? <laughs> Tears come. And then I feared what might happen. On the battlefield, never, E. I always come back. She looks at him. So I took up my pen, William, and replaced those thoughts with imagining this moment with you. You wrote that down? Maybe. E hands him a page of her writing, and he reads, enticed. As they arrive at the manor, he turns to her passionately. Any more? No, just this feeling with you. I could not deny myself the pleasure. Always do I desire you. His look mirrors her desire as he gets out of the coach. And? And then you carry me in. Hal helps her out and scoops her into his arms under her knees. Darling, like this? <laughs> Maybe, she giggles. Yes. Oh, E, ever do you inflame me anew? Cut to Ella walking in the garden with Patterson and the others before tea. Will he take Elizabeth to England? It is not my place to say, Ella, but I would not wager against it or I would lose. 
I am not so sure, Ella, Percy says. Patterson glances at Percy. Well, two of my friends, Ella says, will now be in England. I will have to visit. How delightful, Ella, Katie adds. Who knows? Before this war is over, you may be joining us in a more permanent way. Katie insinuates to Lord Percy, who smiles, but his thoughts are still elsewhere. Patterson pointedly notices, seamlessly, Patterson now smiles to Ella that she might entertain such an idea with him. Camera cut to Elizabeth and the general in bed. E, was I like your imaginings? Yes. <laughs> How so? Well, she blushes. It is never what you do, per se. It is the way you make me feel the entire time, in love with you, as though I were... With? No, Hal says. Of God? Yes. <laughs> Strange. War has a way of changing many. But not you, my love. Hal smiles yes as he follows her meaning. What kind of war is this for you? How smiles with mystery. E says, America strikes for liberty. Britain is the aggressor. But always you are in love with your little rebel. <laughs> you are my little rebel, Hal says. Does it show so? E smiles, yes. I know something has happened to you here, William. Hal's look grows with meaning. No, don't tell me, E says. Maybe being at your best, at God's behest in battle, lets us become. Your perception hits the mark every time. They share that deeply. But not my shooting, he adds. They laugh. He holds her more closely and then looks up with a little smile and rhythmically says, Their line had me, but in his name, I got away and found you, my love. He loves that. He adds, he was in their midst as well. Oh, William, your Masonic quest ever keeps you safe in God. No wonder England rules the world. How do you? You seem to know, E. My father was a Mason. And a few times when he thought I was asleep upstairs, I was not. And I overheard his conversation with a friend. Just a few things until I was found out. And you made sense of the rest? Much later in God, the bestower of all wisdom. We are the same, Hal says. He adds, two warrior monks who somehow found each other. God. Hal says, I am not here for long. Would you like to ride? The day is lovely, he muses. Yes, sacrifice, heroism, death, glory, wonderful. No, you are, he says, and you, she says, as she turns on top of him with a smile of innocence and utter love and a little coquetry. I hope this is not too daring. Hal smiles with anticipation. No, you will be gone soon, and I want to be as close to you as I can forever. Forever, my only love. I do not deserve you. He starts to embrace her. 
Wait, she says. How looks? Oh, but you do. He told me to tell you. You make it true. She smiles brilliantly in tears. Camera cut to the scene outside. His men wait. Sometime later, we see the two of them walk outside to their horses. How gestures to the officer to follow at a distance. Ride behind me, he says. How holds out his hand and pulls her gently up. She wraps her arms behind him and whispers, Go slow, William, then fast, really fast. He breathes in all of her meaning as he lightly turns his horse's head. We watch the slow build, and then they race away with her hair streaming behind her. His men adjust to their speed and share wondering looks as they gallop and then run from behind at a very fast clip. Scene 84. General Joseph Reed and Colonel John Glover walking their horses looking straight ahead. Reed says, Washington may not be the one to go the distance as much as I love him. Glover's head whips around. Glover, Remember what you told me when you saw the Redcoats coming at Pell's Point with over 200 ships? You said that you would have given a thousand worlds to have had General Lee present to direct you. Glover shows he doesn't want to answer. Yes, I said that then. Washington, though, is our general and my Dory men love him. I trust their judgment as much as mine to pick a leader. I do too, Reed says. That's not the point. The issue is not if he is heroic. He is. The problem is his constant indecision is not that of a battlefield strategist. Glover, it's all about reaction time. There is a lucky moment in war that must be intuitively received and seized upon. One must be open and gifted from our source to do that. God, Glover says. Yes, Glover, God. But few are gifted with leadership genius. Every time he hesitates, our troops die. I hear you, Reed, Glover says. Something is going to happen. Give the man a chance. Glover, he's had a chance, chance after chance. He relies too much on the judgment of his staff and his wife. I hate to say it, but she is his strength in these matters. He relied on Green against his own better judgment at Fort Washington, and we lost 3,000 men. I was there watching our brave soldiers being forced aboard prison barges with nothing I could do. Most of them didn't make it. Glover, their deaths were too great a cost for our leadership to purchase Washington's experience with. Yes, terrible loss. I hear you read. But can we trust General Lee with his lack of self-denying patriotism? He is vain and has only his best interests and that of his dog pack at heart. Time is growing short for our sacred cause, Glover, so I don't know. I just don't know. But what I do know is that a change of leadership must take place. 
Yes, at times, Glover says, I have desired General Lee. Washington has made mistakes, but his guiding light gets us out of it. He always thinks of something. My men don't trust Lee. I agree with you until we lose again, Reed says. Very soon we will not have enough men. Then what? Washington is our general, Glover says. He will take command. Spirit is with him. My men feel his presence. They feel God in him, and I do as well. Give him a little more time, and God will raise him up. We hear the sound of hooves growing closer, pounding the ground. Reed and Glover turn as Washington and his officer's staff back from scouting, ride over the hill. Where have you been, Reed? Washington asks. Washington looks at Glover. Is everything all right? Yes, sir. Glover had a question about his men. Come on, mount up, Washington says. We will have to break camp soon. I have a feeling Cornwallis will be coming fast. They ride off. Glover and Reed share a look. Camera cut to Glover's tent. Washington stops there to say a few words to the Dorymen. Washington, Washington, Colonel, the Dorymen say. Hello, men. Washington is all smiles. Every time I see you, I am filled with gratitude. You saved all 9,000 of us. Thank you, sir. Any time, General, any time, Christian says. Glover catches Reed's eye and nods. Reed smiles halfway as he remembers. Half of those are gone. Scene 85. Nighttime in his tent. General Reed sits alone by candlelight with a drink. Then we see him rise and take up pen and paper. I have to do this, God. Forgive me for I can no longer sanction or be part of that obstinacy on his part. It will only lead to more unnecessary death. Reed looks heavenward. Washington is too indecisive. General Lee will know what to do. We see Reed writing, and then we hear some of it, voiceover. Dear General Lee, I do not mean to flatter or praise you at the expense of any other, but I do think it is entirely owing to you that this army and the liberties of America are not totally cut off. You are decisive, a quality often wanted in minds otherwise valuable. O oh, general, an indecisive mind is one of the greatest misfortunes that can befall an army. Our current situation requires the utmost wisdom and firmness of mind. I think yourself and some others should go to Congress and form the plan of the new army in the coming season. Joseph Reed. Reed is done and sits back a moment. And then he moves back in, holding the candle and directing the light to carefully check his words. At first, he has a confident look. And then we see him shaking his head with, what am I doing? Reed speaks aloud after he takes a drink. God, please help. Is this what is needed? I have done all I can. Washington's indecision will lose you your America, God. 
Reed ponders and then seals up the letter, puts it under his pillow and snuffs out the flame. Camera cut to a campfire outside where we see a man sitting on a drumhead. He has the look of a poet. He is reading over his words, nodding and smiling, and now we hear them. These are the times that try men's souls, Thomas Paine reads. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service to their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. We see Paine nodding as the camera pans around him. Soldiers look desperate by their fires, while pain has the blissful look of engendered creativity by God's grace on his face. Pain kisses his writing and then checks to see if anyone saw that. He smiles, for he knows he has something of weight to elaborate upon later. Scene 86 camera pans the American camp getting ready to march. Now inside Washington's tent, we see the general and Reed. Washington is dictating a letter to Reed. To finish, Reed, hmm, I don't want to order General Lee to help us. This is the third time, though, that I have to request his help. What do you think? No, this is what I will say. General Lee, I will have you move over by the easiest and best passes. General, I would think, Reed interjects. Yes, Reed? Please, General, order him to help. No, Washington says. He must have a reason. Please end my letter with the usual. Yes, sir, Reed says. Reed, General Green's poet, Thomas Paine. Have you made his acquaintance? Yes, Reed says. Payne seems to be a very gifted poet. Perhaps his words will lift the spirits of our men. My poor men. Leaving Fort Lee so quickly ahead of British General Cornwallis. General Green moved fast this time. He left behind the cannon and most else. We leave soon, Reed. Cornwallis will be making up for their delay. I have no idea why they stopped. The express writer should be here soon. Please give him my letters. Yes, sir, Reed says. Reed places the letters into an express case and walks outside. He takes a letter from his pocket and places it into the case with an assured look. The express writer approaches. Reed hands him the case and hesitates in his release of it. Anything else, sir? The writer asks. Reed releases, looks down, and shakes his head with indecision. Then, no, sir. Safe journey, then. Reed looks skyward. It's in your hands now, God. Scene 87. General Howe and his brigade approaching Cornwallis's troops on the Raritan River with General Grant. Grant says... No need to say more, General Howe. I understand that their sacred cause is behind your unusual actions. Before I called the rebels Bible-faced, ironic, is it not, that you attain to God's wisdom on the battlefield in a way that most men will never realize. 
Welcome, Grant, to our group of friends, Hal says, Cornwallis, Percy, and Patterson. What I have realized, Grant, is available to all men who pursue consciousness in each lifetime. Grant says, I understand, General. So many events now make sense in light of this. I was beginning to think you had lost your love of the chase, and then I would remember your contribution at the heights of Abraham. Without you, we might not have taken Quebec, the most glorious undertaking in military history. I knew I did not know your true intent in this. Now I am honored to be part of it. Thank you, Grant. They ride alongside other generals in the know. Where is Washington, Howe asks. We came as soon as we could. Cornwallis says he may be at Trenton or Princeton. Well then, Howe adds, time is of the essence. The order is rapid advance measures. I have informed General Grant on all matters concerning our campaign. Welcome then, Grant, Cornwallis says, as they all smile and nod to Grant. Cornwallis says, General Howe, you received my communication about our Colonel Johann Ewald. His men were quite determined to pursue Green's men after the fall of Fort Lee. I told him to stop the pursuit, that his men would be needed soon for more important fighting as soon as the general joins us. They all understand what was being said. Well done, Cornwallis. We will follow shortly. I believe I have calculated with the greatest accuracy the exact time needed for Washington to make his escape. I understand, General Howe. Colonel Rawdon. Rawdon draws near. The order is to move out. Yes, sir. A post messenger comes riding in. General, sir, this post is for you. Hal looks at the post. Ah, Elizabeth. Given over to instantaneous joy, he momentarily forgets to smooth out an immense smile and its attendant emotion as the other generals look on. Patterson smiles, Hal recovering all. Excuse me, gentlemen. This is something war can wait for. He rides off and stops at a tree and reads. We hear Elizabeth's voice as he reads. My dearest William, last time you were here, I remember the way you were looking at me. In a space of a kiss we stood, you and I, and I could feel your intentions brushed across every curve that is mine. How sighs, he is so in love. He leans into the tree. Every window of my mind, as we stood in God's eternity of silence. Oh, William, our passion is as insistent as the pitched cry of the red-tailed hawk that swoops through the darkened trees above me. The hour hastens past dusk, and I miss you with all of my being as I walk slowly back to our bedroom without you. And I must admit, the white petals I let fall one by one behind me makes me sigh every time as I imagine your approaching footsteps going out of their way to lie upon mine in the dark. Oh, William, perhaps I should not be writing in this manner to you. What if the dispatch was stolen? 
I cannot help it, for I love you so, and the ache of my love without you strikes me like a shaft of Cupid's noontime sun. Oh, please hurry back. Even though I love my warrior, do not be too heroic. Come back to me. Forever do I want you to sound the deep pool within me, my love. I want to feel the charm of life again with you, wherein we give to each other everything we will ever want or need. Ever yours, William. Oh, God, thank you for my little girl. He reads her letter again and again as Cornwallis and Patterson look on. Maybe you should retrieve the general, Patterson. We have a pursuit, I believe. (laughs) I will, but I dare say war is no longer on his mind.